Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. The Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi Affiliates across the southern part of the state, originating the program live today from Sully's Tavern, one of two locations in the Hattiesburg area. This is the one, the South Hattiesburg exit, as you would make a right to go into Purvis or you turn left to kind of go toward Tatum Park, right back here. Uh, Sully's Year in and year out, voted one of the best tasting hamburgers in the, I would think, the state. And of course, it was steak night every Friday night. They have live music every single night here. And of course, they just opened their pedal location just a couple of years ago. Later in the program, we're going to be talking with Brent Nettles, who is uh, the, the manager of this particular location here at Sully's. Invite you to join us here today and lunch any day of the week. On the Eagle Hour today, we're going to be talking with Tim Doherty, who for a long time was the beat writer for the Hattiesburg American and Clarion Ledger. Actually went kind of back and forth for a while, covering Southern Miss Athletics. Still, although partially retired, still, man, you, you can't kick us old media types down. We've we got to be able to stay uh, involved. Tim's going to be joining us a little bit later on. Of course, we're going to be talking with Brent as well, and then get you set for a big weekend of sports activities. I'm Kelly Sander. Michael Mergens is here on location with us. Dalton Stanford back in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg here at Sully's. Always inviting you to join us here or at the Pedal location. And joining us on set now is the aforementioned Tim Dory, who was mentioned going back to the mid-80s. That would be the 1980s. It would be, <laughs> although sometimes it would feel like the 1880s, right, <laughs> as uh, we go back uh, to the, the years. I want to talk a little bit about not only uh, your job and some of the, your most challenging stories that you maybe had to present to the Southern Miss, but also about the evolution of media as we knew it, you know, on the print side and on the electronic side, lots of things to talk about. So as we welcome you. Tim, how has let's talk about the evolution of, of media, the print, the print game. How has it evolved? How would you describe the evolution of print media, say, in the past thirty years? Oh, I think you know. I think everybody's familiar, if that's the right word. But I mean, everybody recognizes. I think what's going on with the newspapers now. You're down to three days, if if that. Uh, you know, so it, it's changed the the business model changed uh you when cable exploded that got rid of your oh what am, what is it the uh the time element in other words you're 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 reporting during the day and you can still be first that next day you know as long as folks don't know it well now you got cable twenty four seven so we're you know that kind of blew that out of the water a little bit then of course with social media again people know it uh so now you kind of have to um, give folks another reason maybe to come read. And I, I think newspapers, anyhow, were always, we were about the why uh, and how. Um, television, radio, more immediate, obviously. But the newspapers gave you, I think, that context, uh, why something happened during a game, why this event happened, 
how this took place, maybe some background. Um, a lot of that's kind of gone by the wayside, too, with social media, and everybody's got an opinion, and everybody knows everything, and so now you're kind of left there to sort everything out. And, and I say this not to be patronizing. I never worked in print media, but to me, print media was the most pristine and the most untouched because you asked the hows and the whys and held people more accountable than other media sources that had to keep things within a 30-second window or a minute and a half. And it just kind of bothers me that because newspapers are going the way of the buffalo, that we're not going to get but the first layer of the onion, and I think that's, there's problems with that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but I also think there's some, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but anyway, I think there's some terrific places online that do a very credible job. They do a great job. <clears throat> they do hold people accountable. The issue is... Uh, where are they? Who are they? Because uh, I think we were talking earlier about where are the gatekeepers? You know, uh, how are you directing me to the more credible, more uh, fair, if you will, uh, the efficient, the truth tellers, if nothing else, or as much of the truth telling as you can get at and get to. Um, whereas a lot of the other stuff, you're kind of getting a slant one way or the other, and that's fine for editorials, and that's fine in certain instances, columns, if you will, opinion pieces. But if you're just trying to stay in the middle of the road and report and tell a story and tell the truth, you kind of got to search a little bit harder for those where before they were on your front porch every day. We seem to have lost in our society from a media standpoint as we continue our discussion here with Tim Doherty, formerly the Clarion Legend and the Hattiesburg American, we seem to have lost our civility in disagreements, regardless of what the story might be, what's true, what's not true. What happened? Do you agree with that, Tim, that we've kind of lost our civility with people on different sides of a sense of an issue? And, and if so, what happened? Where did it go? Uh, I, I think part of it's, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think some of that's always been there. You've always had that relationship uh, where both sides are not looking really good at each other. But then you always heard about back in the day, you know, Congress reaching across the aisle to get the big part, you know, get the big picture and, uh, the forest for the trees kind of thing. Um, but, but the key phrase there is back in the day. Correct. You sure don't seem to see it anymore. I think he started with a scorched earth policy, maybe in the 90s, the new English thing, and then and I'm not a political guy, but it seemed like it became win at all costs. Our side versus your side, whatever it takes, we'll blow up the bridge, don't care if it's the golden goose laying the egg, you brought the goose, I'm not listening to you. Uh, I, I don't know. Um but it's also, you know, you're, you're, it's about money, it's about power, it's about uh, who's going to make those decisions. And, um, uh, again, I think it just became a win-at-all-cost kind of thing rather than, hey, let's, let's get this done. When you were writing stories for the Ledger or the Hattiesburg American, writing about Southern Miss and topics that may have put you in a particularly adversarial role with the leaders at the university, how do you handle that, Tim? Because I think it's general human nature that you want to be liked. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, uh, uh, one, and uh, I, I, I'm going to say this uh, with all truth to it. Uh, worked with a lot of folks over there that uh, they got it. Can I, if that's the way to put it, they understood. The you had a job there. Exactly, exactly. They understood there was a relationship at times. They understood that there were going to be times when I was going to be writing stuff. They didn't particularly care for. Um, but as, I think as long as you were fair, as long as you were, you know, 
telling the truth and asking the right questions, you were okay. The parts where they didn't particularly like so much is when, uh, you know, stuff was not necessarily nailed down, substantiated, uh, kind of throwing darts to see what was going to stick. Um, but no, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable at times. It's no fun looking somebody in the eye that you've worked with and come to respect or had a relationship with. And now you're asking tough questions, you know, that, uh, that's not going to put them in a favorable light or do them any favors, period. Tim, in your career uh, in, in print media, you have done primarily sports, but you've also done news. Mm-hmm. Did you approach either angle, sports or news, differently than the other? Um, I think there's more leeway in sports, just in terms of the writing. Uh, also, you're doing. I did columns in sports, so obviously that's a whole different cup of tea. But no, I think you, you stayed... Try to stay in the middle of the road. You got both sides. You, you tried to talk to, you know, like I, I try. I still try to talk to both coaches at the end of the game. Uh, you try to talk to maybe a couple players. Uh, you know, we're used to, and now it's it's a little different. But uh, yeah, I think that's what you do. You, you try to be fair, uh, whether it's a news story or a sports story. Let's let's talk more about, about your career covering Southern Miss, and, and we are going to rewind the tape here a little bit and uh, get in the old time capsule. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to bring one person to start this discussion, um, who, a, a, a coach that seemed to be um, pretty polarizing. You either tended to really like this guy or didn't. Uh, depending on who you talk to. I personally never had any trouble with Jim Carmody, former football coach at Southern Miss. I, I never had any trouble with him. You had to make an appointment to get to talk to him. But once you got his attention, you had his undivided attention. Your thoughts on Jim Carmody? He was actually right before my time. I came okay. in with Curly Holman, okay. the head coach. Okay. Now, that being said, the few instances that I've had the pleasure to have dealt with Coach Carmody, he was, he's been a gem. Like you say, once you once you're able to you know chat with him, he's been terrific. I uh, answered every question, and he was good as gold. Have you found over your career that football coaches tend to be less accessible than other than coaches of other sports? And if so, why? That's a good question. Uh, Ten seconds. In the long term, possibly yes, simply because of what's on their plate. They got that schedule all week. But on the other hand, you get more access to them. There's the Monday press conference. There's time this after after the game. Right, we're going to continue our discussion with Doherty, a longtime beat reporter for Southern Miss for the Clarion Ledger and the Hattiesburg American. We'll tell you what he's up to now. Southern Miss sports back in the day and going all the way to current day with Tim Doherty as the Eagle Hour continues live from Sully's off of uh, Highway 11 here at the South Hattiesburg exit of I-59 back after this first timeout. To the top. Kelly Sander with you live from Sully's. I'll tell you what, these live remotes on Friday, I could definitely get used to. Because we always get fed with... with have you noticed the theme, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people have said, you've been doing a lot of these. They love it. 
like if you, yeah. That's yep. Michael Mergens, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Michael, on the other side of the table. I found a way to work it out that I would show up and have to engineer all of these. The, thing, the reason everything goes, the reason everything goes right is because yeah. you're here. Dalton Stanford's back in the, the uh, studio in Hattiesburg as we continue with our discussion with Tim Dory, longtime uh, Southern Miss beat reporter for the Clarion Ledger and Hattiesburg American. We're going to be talking with Brent Nettles, who's the, the manager of this particular Sully's location. They also have one in Petal. And I think we enjoyed what the the Philly cheesesteak and the onion rings and oh man, don't get don't don't get me started because I won't get stopped. But uh, Tim, one of the things that, that you've said that that is particularly difficult to handle from a writing standpoint is rumor and innuendo about coaching searches, who may be in, who may be out, the fact that people are losing their jobs in these types of situations often get overlooked. It's a source of income for their families. Let's fill in some of those blanks. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It's a story where usually folks don't want to go on the record, you know. Nine times out of ten, nobody's going on the record saying, yes, we're going to fire coach such and such, you know, tomorrow morning, so be prepared. Um, but, you know, if you've got sources, you're hearing the murmurs, you're getting calls, you're getting whatever text these days. Uh, but for all the reasons you just stated, you know, somebody's losing their job. Somebody's, you know, somebody's family's, you're looking at probably moving, you know. So here we go again, kind of thing. Almost, uh, it's 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 no fun. The wor- uh, from a reporter standpoint, the firings are bad enough, but then trying to figure out who's coming in because now you're you're wrestling with all the demons out there, so to speak. Everybody knows everything, or everybody's heard this, that, or the other. And you, and I'm talking about nowadays. Back in the day, you know, I mean, shoot, people were you know looking at the. Uh, numbers on the tail fins of airplanes to see who'd landed at a particular airport had gotten to that point. You know, nowadays all you have to do is pick up your cell phone and there's 3,000 folks telling you 3,000 names. So, but it, it it's a difficult process there too because again, nobody's going on the record. Uh, you might get an interview with the athletic director, perhaps uh, the search committee chairman who's going to tell you about the process and how it's going. But to, um, you know, nail down that person or say who's 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 next. Uh, it's 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 tricky. And when you look at Southern Miss from a, from a sports history, that when they were in the Metro Conference with the Florida, South Carolinas, and Memphis, and, and the list goes on and on, to now what is truly a watered down kind of conference USA. The Eagles and the administration have like cards that they're dealt. True, but but when 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 current Southern Miss fans, younger fans, will come to you and say, you know. Why aren't we like we used to be? How would you describe the evolution of Southern Miss athletics just from a conference standpoint, Tim? I think athletics in general has changed over that time. You, it, It's always kind of sort of been about money, and it always will be about money. But, I mean, you're talking you're talking money. <laughs> when, what, the, the, the basketball tournament, the Final Four, what are we talking about? They paid how many billions of dollars for that television contract? Cable blew it up. Now everybody can get everybody else's games on there, where before you had, what, three stations, basically, that were fighting maybe for a game of the week. There's no game of the week anymore. It's a, it's how many games this week? You know, 87 games. Tuesday is a, a great football night in college football if you're a Mac follower. <laughs> right. You know, right. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just the whole landscape had changed. 
So if that's the case, then it, then it becomes about p- potential television markets. Who's got the most eyes that can be put on a television screen? Well, Southern's not in the biggest market in the world. Uh, so you're gonna. So now we're starting to shift around conferences. So you're going to pull Houston. You're going to pull Tulane. You're going to pull Milwaukee. You know Memphis. Memphis, right? Yeah. Cincinnati, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the ironic thing to me is that I don't know that it's so much about television markets anymore, where everybody that's got a laptop or a, again a cell phone, some sort of device, you can stream it now. It doesn't matter what market you're in anymore. But but if the bottom line truly is money and television markets, right? What is the prognosis that things are ever going to get better for Southern Miss from a conference standpoint? Uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? That's my job. I know it. And <laughs> I'm going to come up with the 50 cent answer. Uh, I don't know. I honestly do not know the answer to that question. Um, because everybody was going, everybody who's a Southern Miss fan, of course, sees through black and gold shades that, that Southern Miss should be a very attractive target you know, for other conferences other than Conference USA. If that was the case, why are we still in the Conference USA? Good question. I think part of that, again, was at the timing when the stuff split up. I mean, Louisville's obviously gone on its merry way. They're in the ACC. Uh, you know, Florida State, um, you know. Exactly. Uh, South Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, some Southern Miss fans, young kids, don't even believe that we were in a conference with Florida State. <laughs> Virginia Tech. Yes, South Carolina. You know, you would argue that at one point, Southern Miss and Virginia Tech were kind of like at the same route. Right. And have gone off on divergent paths for whatever reasons. Um, it's again when that thing split, you kept together the clump. I mean, what is it? The AA is basically Conference USA now, or what it used to be, right? You know, with a few additions, UConn, Temple, filling the thing. Um, why Southern was invited in with that group? Again, I think if you, I think it was about markets and potential markets. Now, I don't think it's about markets at all. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when this next big implosion happens. Where, okay, do we spin off the top fifty teams? You know, the big what is it, the Power Five? Do those conferences go on their own? You know, basically, we we go back to a one A with just this many people, and now we got one double A again, and you know that kind of thing. Tim Doherty's with us on the Eagle Hour, talking uh, about Southern Miss athletics. He covered it for a long time for the Clarion Ledger and the Hattiesburg American, going back to the mid nineteen eighties. So from a geographical standpoint, Tim, and a cost of travel when budget, budgets are so tight, doesn't it seem like perhaps the, the uh, Sun Belt might be a logical landing place for Southern Miss? And if so, how would that happen? If you would have told Southern Miss fans, I think, 20 years ago that the Sun Belt was going to be one of you, we want to go to the Sun, you know, I hear you. They're looking for the window ledge kind of thing. And then I'm not, that's not, I'm not condescending to the Sun Belt. Again, we're looking through the black and gold. How things have changed. Indeed. Uh, now, what I do think is what would, again, and I think you're maybe going to see it when things implode, you get a more geographic conference. Whether it's part of the Sun Belt, you get teams out of Conference USA. I mean, that's been part of the discussion. I don't know if it's formal, I doubt formal discussions, but certainly that's been speculation, shall we say, on. You know, just people sitting down over a beer and talking, or, or or you look on somebody's blog or something like that, where you would, you know, have a nice, concise. Uh, the problem with some of this is that 
the Southern fans, I, I don't know UTEP. You know, I, I don't know what San Antonio means to me when they play. Uh, I think folks are getting, you know, there's a rivalry developing with Marshall to some extent for whatever reason. But, I mean, uh, Middle Tennessee State, while these are all nice programs, it's not, we've never played these guys. Ten years is not long enough to build any sort of rivalry, so there's no interest or lack of interest. As much as, but from a travel standpoint, so you could drive to Monroe. You could drive to Mobile. You could drive to Troy. You could drive to Lafayette. These are all Sunbelt schools. New Orleans. Right, and, and it would be cheap. When you have to, when you talk about women's athletics also having to be transported back and forth, it's just, of course, it's easy for me to sit there and wave a magic wand. Right, right. Sure, sure. And, and then that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, what do you do? Uh, some folks are moving this that way and the other, but it seems like that's calmed down a little bit, but it, uh, it's going to burble back up. Do, do you think with the hiring of Jeremy McLean now as a new athletic director, mm-hmm. who came from Troy, right. so obviously there are Sunbelt ties there. Is it reasonable to assume that he might look down that path or reach out in, in a different, to different people and see about the possibilities. Are we making the argument that the Sun Belt is a better conference than Conference USA? Not in this, I'm, I'm just talking about the cost of operating your athletic department. It would be a heck of a lot cheaper gotcha. to be traveling to Sun Belt schools I, I see what you're saying. than Conference uh, USA school. It would make sense. It would make sense, certainly. Uh, he would certainly know the phone numbers to call in, in the Sun Belt to have that conversation with. Uh, again, um, if I'm not mistaken, aren't there some outliers in the Sun Belt as well? You, I know you back in the day you had some Georgia Southern is well, as far well, as okay, yeah, that's, that's in Statesboro, which is about nine hours. Georgia State is in Atlanta, so there's a big, big city again. Not horrible, not horrible. Back in the day, they had people like New Mexico and Idaho, and that's sort what of, I know. Right. Those may have been, you know, look, guys. Come on, you know. Yeah. Time for, time for another pull. The Idaho Vandals. Well, tell everybody what you're doing now, Tim Dory. Uh, I've, I've, the last three years I've been with uh, WDAM. Uh, NBC affiliate in Hattiesburg. Correct. Uh, and ABC. And ABC. Yeah, well. yeah. All right. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I write online for them, so it's WDAM.com if you are looking for any of my stuff. And if you want to get a story that is right down the middle, that, that truly presents both sides of the story, like old, pure journalism used to be. Tim Doherty, that's one of the things I've always respected about your career, that you had certain standards that you live by, continue to live by them, and there are some of us that appreciate that. Well, I thank you kindly. That's, that's, that's nice of you to say. I appreciate that, it. That we're raised, you know, in that environment. So, uh, Tim Doherty, you can follow him at the WDAM.com. Also a pretty good trivia player every once in a while. Every once uh, in a while we pull one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you talk about trivia. <laughs> Tim Doherty knows trivial trivia. I'm very good with the trivia. Still to come on this program, actually, on the other side of the commercial break, we're going to be talking with Brent Nettles, who's the general manager of the Sully's location that we are at, at the Exit 60. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Live on set at Sully's in South Hattiesburg at Exit 60. The interstate doesn't matter what direction you're coming from. If you're... If you're coming south on I-59, you're kind of veering off and you turn left to go to Tatum Park. We're right here. Or if you're headed right to Purvis, we're still right here. <laughs> but Sully's for a long time voted to one of the top uh, eating places in Hattiesburg, a new location in Petal. And uh, joining us here in this segment is Brent Nettles, the general manager here at this Sully's location. Brent, first of all, thanks for having us out. Yeah, man, thanks for coming. Huh? You guys are so crowded today. 
I think it was because they were so crowded. We got put in the back room. Usually, Michael, you and I get thrown in the back room anyway. Yeah. <laughs> at these places. I just expected because <laughs> we don't behave very well. But um, a lot of things going on here. You guys, are one of the one of the few locations in town. You guys have live music every day. Every day. I, I would imagine it's tough just to book talent. You know, for that, it was, it's just seven days in a week. Yeah. We, we have a tight-knit group of uh, musicians that play at both, both restaurants. And, uh, you know, the music at the Habsburg location starts at 7, uh, it ends at 10, and then uh, in pedal it starts at 6 and ends at 9. The good thing about the music at Sully's is you can actually, heaven forbid, have a conversation yeah. at a and table while the music is going on. Yeah, no doubt. Most of the time it's just uh, acoustic one man guy up there playing that's very talented. We got a great group of musicians play for us. All right, so tell us now you guys have been at this local when did you guys open this location? This location was open in uh two thousand eleven. So eight does, years. Does not seem possible. Yeah. You know, and then then Pedal came along. Tell us the genesis of that, how how Pedal then came along a little bit later. Yeah, they opened right at a year, four months, uh, beginning of January into December uh of eighteen. Uh so this restaurant, you know, it started as a bar. Uh, and, and you still have the bar here. Yeah, we, we still have the bar. And basically the business just grew. Uh, we expanded. Uh, it grew more. We expanded again. It grew more. And we opened the second location, which is in Petal. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if maybe, you know, Sully's ventures out to, oh, I don't know, maybe the Gulf Coast someday. You know, there might, might be a Sully's there. Who knows? But as you guys look over your business model with the success that this location has had and now Pedal as well, what are you doing right? I mean, you, you guys always have a checklist, okay, well, we're not doing this right, so we need to do better. Why? What can you put your finger on as to why things have gone so well for you guys? I would say the Sully standard. Uh, our standards are very high. Uh, we hire a certain group of people. Uh, and our kitchen, they... They, everything is fresh, homemade, uh, cooked to order. All our steaks are hand cut. Uh, the everything is a certain way, and, and we never deviate from that. There is no, and I hesitate to even say the M word at Sully's, but there is no microwave. None whatsoever in the building. <laughs> no, no microwaves at Sully's. So if you're looking for a microwave, you know you can't find them. Now the steak night has been very, very popular for a long time. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, that's that's probably one of our best sellers. That's what we're we're pretty much known for is our legendary steaks. So so and you can get different degrees of steaks there too, as far as quality of uh, of beef. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we have a uh, certified Angus beef, which is uh, high quality, minimum of uh, twenty one day aged beef, uh, and then we also have prime, which is a grade above that, which most most restaurants in town don't have. Now it used to be. Can you still get a rare steak? Can you get a steak cooked rare anymore? You sure can. You can, because I, I was hearing sometimes that you have to cook it, the government won't let you cook it. You know? How I eat it. I, I, like it too. I like it that way, too. Of course, we're Midwest born. That's true. You know, originally, we know kind of how, how beef works. But uh, as, you, as you now look at some of the things, the evolution now, is, and you're, you're not that far from the actual location where the Sullivan, which Sullivan-Kilrain fight took place, the legendary, historical Sullivan-Kilrain fight, which is where the name Sully's comes from, yes? Yes, yes. It's probably a mile or less right up the road on Sullivan Kilrain. Yeah, though there's a water tower up there at the intersection of Richburg and Sullivan Kilrain, and, and we hear tell that the actual location of the fight was, was 
pretty close to there. Yes. But why, why I'm interested, and there's, there's great pictures of John L. Sullivan and actual black and white photos from the fight that hang here on the walls at Sully's. Why Sully's? I wonder. Well, uh, why not Kilrain's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kilrain lost, didn't he? <laughs> okay, well, that would, stand, that would stand a reason. Yeah, I, I would say with John L. Sullivan being the champ, that's, that's, that's the way we want to go with the winner. Right. So how, how your operating hours here at this location, how do they differ from, uh, from Pebble? Uh, well, both both locations are uh, open at the same time. We're Monday through Wednesday. We're open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. You guys are just as busy at lunch as you are at dinner. Yeah, yeah, we have a great lunch crowd. We have a really good lunch menu that brings a lot of people out. Um, and, you know, the service is great. The food is great. It comes out quick. So You, you hear about lunch menus. But what what is it about a lunch menu that you guys are able to get people in and out because they do have to go back to work? Right. So what's the key to putting together a good lunch menu? Well, we have certain things on there that are easy that are easy to prepare, uh, that are high quality high quality items, and you know they're uh, the the time that it takes to cook them is not very long, and people come out. They take a quick 30 minutes lunch, and they're in and out. I'm interested too about what you were talking about. You only hire certain types. Of, of people. Yes. Uh, could you expand upon that a little bit? Because your people are your business. The people that work for you really are ambassadors for the business. Right. It's basically a great attitude, positive attitude, um, and people that hustle, that have pace and purpose, that know what they're going to be doing next, um, and that have experience, you know, especially in the kitchen, that... Um, you know, can continue to meet that Sully standard. Yeah, pace and purpose, that sounds a lot like athletes. That's correct. You know, who have, uh, uh, know all about, you know, pace and, and purpose. Now, steak night, we talked about steak night, but we didn't tell them what steak night was. Every night. Every, <laughs> Every night is steak night at Sully's. Okay, wasn't it, didn't it used to be the way back in the day that it was like just Friday night was like steak night? Yes, I believe so. Okay. That was back in the beginning. That shows you how old I am. This, this location opened in 2011. Correct. You know, you mentioned anything going on in the future that, that we might need to, to know about? Oh, uh, well, we're always looking to improve. We're always looking to grow. And, um, you know, uh, another location could possibly be in the future. Hmm. Was it CNC Music Factory that's saying things that make you go, hmm? I think that was CNC Music Michael, I'm not dating myself. No. So. <laughs> but you know, that is the answer. Yeah. It was CNC I Music I may or may not have played that as a current on the radio. <laughs> oh, okay. May or may. Any other comment will have to come from the president, mm-hmm. right? Well, Brent Nettles, want to thank you again for, for having us out here uh, today and enjoying the Philly cheesesteak with uh, the onion rings. are really good, too. Oh, I wish I could have more. Uh, um, yeah, those, hand, here. those hand-cut steaks and those burgers, they're ground in-house daily uh, with fresh chuck, ribeye, and filet. So that's that's another thing that's unique with Sully's that makes makes our product better. Uh, our catering business is really picked up. Yeah, let's talk about that because you don't necessarily have to be here to enjoy Sully's food. You can enjoy it at home. Right, yeah. I mean, we, we, we do caterings for rehearsal dinners, weddings, receptions, doctors' clinics, schools, we cook on site for uh, you know different uh, events like that. And uh, is there a minimum number of people that you want to cook for in catering, or kind of give us some parameters of? Okay. You know, I've, me personally, I've never told anyone no. Okay. Um, so 
if it's 10 people or more and it's in town, then we'll make it happen for them. But typically, uh, the, the average catering is 25 to 30 people. But, Blake, if you guys are open from 11 to 10, that doesn't mean you guys are getting here at 11. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, when you guys get here in the morning and some of the things you have to do just to get ready for an 11 o'clock opening. Yeah, I usually get here about eight thirty, nine o'clock, um, you know, get, you know, things situated for the day and line up the caterings and, uh, you know, make sure that the servers are in uniform and, and all their side work is done and, you know, just getting the restaurant ready to open. Now, you're an Oak Grove guy. That's correct. Aren't you? Did you go to Oak Grove schools your, your whole life? Uh, well, I moved to Hattiesburg. Yeah, yeah, I moved to Hattiesburg in 1990. And uh, went to Oak Grove, played baseball there throughout my high school years, and then uh, went to Jones after that. Well, and two of the guys that that uh, are part owners of, of Sally's, Brian McClellan, of course, was quite a stud here at North Forest back in the day. Right. And and Scott Lowry had, uh, you know, Scott Lowry probably had the best curveball I'd ever seen in a Dixie youth baseball player at 11 and 12. We used to call him Captain Hook. Like, oh, man, he could, he could get that thing dropping off the, the side of a table. Right. And if you didn't believe me, just ask him. Right. He'll, <laughs> he'll tell you. But uh, every, everything going on at Sully's at exit 60, if you're coming off of the interstate, that's the easiest way to get here. And also right at the, at the end of Sullivan Kilrain Road as it merges onto Highway 11 here, turning left to go to the Tatum Park, for example, uh, or the Claiborne Timberton Golf Courses down the left. To the right, you'd be, you'd be heading to Purvis. But uh, Sully's, the place to be here in Hattiesburg and in Petal. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. All right, we'll take a break, come back, and get you for the weekend. Talk a little NFL football, the draft, A2, coming up as the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Getting ready for the weekend. Of course, no baseball at the peak this weekend. The Golden Eagles will be up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is actually where I fled Hurricane Katrina. Uh, they're playing uh, the Blue Raiders uh, this weekend in the three-game series. And, and, of course, the big series coming up uh, very soon at uh, Pete Taylor Park against the Florida Atlantic. Of course, that's the series that everybody's uh, kind of been looking for. And it and would be a good series to kind of tell you where the Eagles are in comparison to where the other teams are in the league because Florida Atlantic is right there along with Louisiana Tech. And you really have to feel uh, bad, uh, indeed sorry, for Louisiana Tech. And, of course, most of you probably know that the horrible storms that went through uh, Ruston the other night just tore up the Love Shack, J.C. Love Field, where they play. We know about that in this area because uh, I know Oak Grove High School was torn up a couple of years ago, and, and Hattiesburg High's field 
they just got on that a couple of years, and it just throws everything you know, into an upheaval. But uh, Louisiana Tech is right there you know, in the thick of it in Conference USA. So hopefully the Eagles, we've talked about it on this program, that uh, the Eagles don't play very well on the road, have not played very well on the road up to this point. So uh, now is the time to really turn it around. A conference tournament coming up in mid-May, of course, then the, the tournament winner gets a bid, and hopefully if you don't win the tournament that you get an art at large bid. Todd Elsie, you guys poked up here at uh, at, uh, at, uh, at, no, at Sully's. Sully's, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, was say, I probably won't be coming back. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. No, I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. Yeah, so I'm it, pretty good at getting remotes at you know, places that have really good food. Well, yeah. you, you saw where I got the, It's a one full, you know, yeah. kind of double letters in the middle. Yeah. And there are friends, too. Yeah, but I mean, Sully's, and I've been to the pedal location, too. You know, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize they had music here every night. Mm-hmm. Even I didn't realize that. I knew it was on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but I didn't realize it was every single night either. And the reason I think that that's important to mention is because I know people my age who are over forty. <laughs> that would be me too. <laughs> okay, uh, let's say I, I really like going out, but I. I I get a headache because of all the live music, yeah. and it's too loud, and I can't converse. Well, here you can. Yeah, you made a good point. It's not an 80s rock band playing while you're eating. It's, it's James Taylor in the background being played. You know, subtle, that you can still still have a conversation. Michael Morgans, I know you, you're... You're asking me off air what I'm doing this weekend, as Todd said that. That's what I'm doing. He's literally play, playing an 80s hair metal band tomorrow. So. Okay, well, and you're, you're a musician at church. How did Easter services go? I, um, I didn't play, but we did our, our passion play yeah. this last weekend. That was really huge crowds. So. Easter and the weather was so good too. Easter's one of the two days that your uh, fair weather Christians come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep, that Mother's Day. <laughs> okay, Maybe Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Christmas Mother's Day is a bigger one. Uh, other things going on sports wise this weekend: the National Football League draft continues tonight. Picasso Nelson of Southern Miss, as Patrick McGee told us on Thursday's installment of the Eagle Hour, Picasso Nelson probably the only viable candidate for Southern Miss mm-hmm. to be drafted. Hopefully, Picasso will get a call in the first of the seven rounds, but I know if that doesn't happen that somebody will pick him up as a free agent. Not only is he a terrific athlete and has proven his leadership skills over uh, over time, but, um, but he's such a good dude. You know, and in this day and age when... Well, especially everything that's been happening in the NFL, yeah. especially in the last decade, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They, need, they want that image change and... I actually read a stat where up to 40% of the entire NFL are undrafted free agents. Yeah. Well, and, and they've got, they feel like they've got more to prove. You know, but, but Cincinnati last night, who happens to be my favorite team, why? I don't know. I'm still in therapy. But, but the guy that they picked was a, was a lineman from Alabama, and they just said, character-wise, this guy's off the charts. Yeah. So he's just an awesome kid. Uh, plus, he played on the national championship team and blocked everybody he's supposed to block. So that, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good resume. But the draft... Uh, first round was last night. The Saints didn't have a pick. They traded They traded away their first-round pick. So tonight, uh, I think the 60th pick overall in the entire draft. So they're 60th before they get to pick at all. Uh, and that's in round two and three will be televised tonight, not only on ESPN but also on the NFL Network. And then rounds four, five, six, and seven will be staged tomorrow. Every draft you can either watch or listen to and last night, I think they got 10 minutes per team to make their picks in rounds in, in the first round. Tonight, I think that goes to five minutes mm-hmm. uh, so that they can get the two rounds in. And then four, five, six, and seven, I think it's like two and a half minutes they have to pick um, to get everybody, you know. And it'll be football season will be here, you know, before you know it. You're doing preseason in August, yeah. 
Yeah, blink of an eye. And and we really haven't had any warm weather yet. No. You know, so um, it's coming. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I feel certain it will. Lady Eagles continue to play great softball. The uh, the track team is actually at home this weekend at the Fourth Street facility. It's the last home meet, and the tracksters would really like you all to come out and um, and kind of enjoy that track meet. The weather's going to be beautiful. So um, is that thirty seconds to the, the bumper? bumper. Okay. Yes. <laughs> when I'm on location, I get my yeah. It's weird not when you're on this end. And and you got to give me a little break because I I voted for Ross Perot not once but twice. Yeah. So that <laughs> tells you a little bit where I'm coming from. But again, a great time, great time here at Sully's today. The location here in, in on Highway 11 at the exit 60 on the interstates, and you can uh, join them in pedal as well. And who knows, we may have foretold the future. It might be another Sully's location in the future. That'll do it. Thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Todd Elvey, Michael Morgan, Kelly Sander here from Sully's, Dalton, Stanford back in the studio. Y'all be safe this weekend. We want you back here in one piece on Monday. And until we talk to you on Monday for another edition of the Eagle Hour on our Super Talk Mississippi affiliate of stations, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.